You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Muhammad. This is the Rates and Lanes podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. We uh, hope to have another action-packed show today. Uh, I have our special guest, uh, Hank Seaton, will be joining us. So if you have transportation law questions of any sort dealing with insurance, factoring, uh, detention, Anything that you can think of when it comes to the transportation industry, uh, legal questions, now is definitely the time to get those questions asked and answered. Um, that we we kind of cover a cross-section of anything, but our guy Hank Seaton is more than capable of taking on your questions. So if you have questions, you can go ahead and press the number one. That will put you in the call queue for us to be able to come to you to screen your call to get you up and on board. Uh, hopefully, we have a lively and robust discussion tonight. Uh, we definitely welcome all caller participation. Without any further ado, before we bring Hank up and, up and on board, let's jump into uh, what we normally get into, and that is this week's USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report. There's a little bit of movement on this report. We're going to highlight some cities where you might be able to take advantage of some rates. Uh, there's one city that is reporting an outright shortage of trucks in the area. Uh, that area is eastern North Carolina. They are showing an outright shortage of trucks in the area, more loads than trucks. Uh, moving on over areas that are reporting light shortages. Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, Aristotle County, Maine, and Mexico crossing through Texas. Those areas are all reporting slight shortages of trucks in the area. So those are some areas where opportunities may be available for you. If you're working the spot market, uh, those areas show a little bit of promise. So if you flexibility on where, if you're in those areas, and you're flexible on where you're willing to go, you uh, may be able to get yourself a nice little reward for being able to, for being at the right place at the right time. Uh, every other county, uh, every other area, rather, is reporting an adequate supply of, of uh, trucks in the area. So uh, you can go over to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. We're going to try to get a link copy and put up for you over there so that you can uh, be able to go and look at this report in more detail if that's what you so desire. Moving right along, jumping over into this week's DAT trend lines report for the week of March 11th through the 17th, the national average rate are holding in a are holding in a steady pattern for now. The national average van rate has held steady at two dollars and fourteen cents per mile on average for the fourth week in a row. Average reefer and flatbed rates were unchanged. Don't expect that to last long. 
So just ahead is the end of the third quarter, pre-Easter rush, and the penalty phase of the ELD mandate. So let's take a look deeper and to the uh, drive-in portion of the report. I want to take a look at the uh, national drive-in demand and capacity report for the week of March 11th through the 17th. Van low post increased by 3%, while truck post increased by 2%. That kept the van-to-load ratio at a steady 6.8 loads per truck, about double the ratio at this time last year. So that helped remain uh, the national average van rate was unchanged. Historically, looking back, the van-to-load truck ratio stepped down after reaching record highs in January. Van load load posts declined by 26% in February compared to January. The truck post increased by 4%. As a result, the February load-to-truck ratio fell 29% down to seven point to seven loads per truck. January's ratio was one hundred and eighty five percent higher than it was in February of twenty seventeen. The national average diesel price for this week climbed by point three percent short at a national average of two dollars and ninety seven cents per mile. I mean per gallon, excuse me, two dollars and ninety seven cents per gallon on the national diesel prices. Looking into taking a deeper dive into the uh, drive-in rates nationally on the spot market, if we can get technology to cooperate with us, we'll tell you exactly what that report says. Technical difficulties. Let's see if we can go to a backup and see if we can get that report to pull. Um, not sure what is going on here. All right, bear with me just a second, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to get it pulled up here in just one second here. My report is freezing up on me. I'm sorry about that. The national average van rate has held steady at $2.14 per mile for the fourth week in a row. Following seven weeks of declining rates that began in early January, the load-to-truck ratio for vans was unchanged compared to the previous week. Historically, the national average van rate for February was $2.13 per mile, down 11 cents compared to the record high experience in January. The rate was 51 cents higher than the average in February of 2017. 
Um, my report still is incomplete. Here we go. Taking a, a, from around the country by region, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Philadelphia being the representative city, we have $2.20 on average coming out of the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia on the smart market at $2.20. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have showing average drive-in spot market rates at $2.41 per mile coming out of Atlanta. Moving into the uh, Midwestern portion of the United States, Chicago, Illinois, showing an average spot market rate for drive-ins at $2.61 per mile. Moving down into the South Central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas is showing $1.98 per mile on average for spot markets coming out of Dallas on the drive-in segment. And coming out of the West Coast, wrapping up the report, the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, showing an average spot market rate of $2.20 per mile coming out of Los Angeles. Moving on, jumping over into the flatbed portion of the DAT report, for the national flatbed demand and capacity for March 11th through the 17th, flatbed low post declined by 4%. The truck post dropped by 2%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to dip by 2% from a record high of 88.5 loads per truck, dropping slightly down to 86.7 loads per truck. Compared to January, flatbed load post increased 17% in February, while truck post declined by 2%. That resulted in a 19% increase in the load-to-truck ratio compared to the previous month at 66.5 loads per truck. Ratio was 150% higher than in February of 2017. Let's jump over and take a look at how the rates were performing for flatbeds over the week of March 11th through the 17th. After rising for five weeks in a row, last week the national average flatbed rate held steady at $2.50 per mile. Capacity in the flatbed market remained tight as a load-to-truck ratio for flatbeds remained above 80 trucks to one. So in the flatbed market, you are you, you can have your way with uh, truck ratios out of whack like that. Compared to January, the national average flatbed rate in February dipped by one cent to two dollars and thirty-six cents per mile. Flatbed rates are forty percent. I mean, excuse me, forty cents higher than they were in February of 2017. Taking a look around the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, PA, checking in, showing an average spot market rate of $3.86 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia, being the representative city, showing an average spot market rate of $2.68 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois, showing a strong $3.27 per mile coming out of Rock Island for flatbed. Moving down into the south central portion of the, of the uh, United States, Houston, Texas being the representative city, showing $2.67 per mile on average for flatbeds. And wrapping up the flatbed report coming out of the west coast, Phoenix, Arizona, 
showing $1.80 per mile on the spot market coming out of Phoenix. And wrapping up the DAT report, we're going to jump into uh, the reefer segment is the final segment that we're going to jump into. Uh, the National Reefer Demand and Capacity Report for the previous week. Reefer load posts declined by 1%, while truck posts increased by 3%. That caused the national load-to-truck ratio for reefers to decline by 3% from 10.5 to 10.1 loads per truck. The national average reefer rate was unchanged. In February, reefer load posts decreased 38%, while truck posts increased by 2%. Compared to January, that caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline by 39%, down to 9.8 loads per truck. The ratio was up 106% compared to February of 2017. And I just got a strange sound in my speaker that I wasn't expecting. I think I might have messed up on uh, recording the show, but we're going to keep, we're going to continue on. Uh, the show may be a little out of whack if you're trying to catch it on the replay. And I apologize for that. Uh, that was my drop on that deal. But let's get into the rate for papers. Nonetheless, uh, for March 11 through 17th, the national average reefer rate held steady at $2.40 per mile for the third week in a row. The national load-to-truck ratio for reefers showed a slight decline from the previous week. Taking a look back historically, in February, the national average reefer rate was $2.42 per mile. That was $0.22 cents lower than the January average, which was the highest monthly average ever recorded in DAT trend lines history. Compared to February 2017, the rate was $0.56 cents higher. Taking a look around the country, Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.21 per mile on average. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida checks in showing an average of $1.66 per mile on average. Coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, the midwestern portion of the United States, leading the pack. $3.48 per mile on the spot market coming out of Green Bay. McAllen, Texas, showing $2.50 per mile on average coming out of the south central portion of the United States. And coming out of the west coast, Fresno, California, showing an average spot market rate of $2.16 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's Friend Lines Report. Um, and let's see here, trying to get over so we can get the bad broker report pulled up for you guys. And we'll jump into that really quickly. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because we don't have, thank goodness, we don't have a lot of companies making entries to the report this week. Um, starting off the report this week is, Maywood Freight Company, Inc. Their DOT number is 299-7358. That MC number is 022243. 
FMCSA shows that that trust fund is canceled. Over $70,000 have been reported. Steadfast Transport LLC, MC number is 672286. FMCSA shows trust fund is set to cancel, or actually that date is passed, 2817. Over $28,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Polar Transport Inc., Polar Solutions Inc., that MC number is 567053. FMCSA shows trust fund is set to cancel on 32118, over $622,000 in active non payment complaints that have been reported. AG Specialties LLC. We don't have an MC number on them, it's not showing. FMCSA shows that the trust fund is canceled, over $24,000 in non payment complaints have been reported, but Nita Truck Brokers, Inc., that DOT number is 222-3062, MC number is 317-771, FMCSA shows trust fund is canceled. Over $128,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's bad broker report. With that being said, without any further ado, we want to go and grab our special guest co-host for the day, Hank Seaton. Hank, you're up and on board with Rico. I'm here, Rico. Are you? All right. Well, Hank, it looks like we got a few people that's got a couple of questions. Uh, but before we get to those questions, uh, what's been going on new coming down out of besides the uh, ELD mandate getting ready to go into full enforcement? What's new coming down out of Washington, D.C. that we might need to be aware of or, or keep an eye on? Well, you know, I think it's kind of all uh, all quiet. Uh, what I think the agency is doing is uh, not poking uh, uh, the Trump administration in the eye and uh, uh, hoping they'll have better prospects with a new Congress. Uh, they were supposed to have come up with the... Uh, corrective action plan in December. Uh, nobody knows when that's coming up. We continue to have this preventability study, which has some frightening aspects, but uh, they're not releasing anything on that. Uh, they're not responding to uh, the FAST Act. Uh, uh, they've just gotten their new uh, administrator appointed, and he has uh, uh, not done anything of any substance. Uh, the general counsel quit. Uh, if it were a, a truck company, it, it wouldn't be in business. So uh, I think our, our interest really to your listeners is shifting a little bit. I, I spent the past uh, uh, four days at what, for lack of a better term, would be considered to be a shipper convention. There were about 250 uh, people there, and uh, some of the topics that were taken up, I think, are really of interest to your uh viewers. Uh, the point was made loud and clear that the ELD is a minute robber and it's going to have an effect on cost. The uh, president of Crete spoke uh, at the uh, uh, initial uh, speech and, uh, you know, a company that size gets listened to. And he pretty well laid out uh, uh, that uh, if shippers think they're going to get cheaper rates, uh, uh, in the coming months, they've got another thing coming, ELD being one of the time robbers. Uh, 
there was a lot of talk about uncompensated for detention and the fact that that not, was not a sustainable uh, uh, future. Uh, if anybody on the call is a Drayman, I imagine they could say amen to the fact that uh, congestion getting in and out of the ports uh, uh, results in a lot of uncompensated for detention and that that very much is something that needs to be handled. Uh, the shipping industry was scored big time for the idea that uh, we could have guaranteed delivery times and knocks on the door five hours into your 10-hour uh, break to get you to pull to the dock. Uh, the point was made uh, and pretty well acquiesced to that shippers uh, needed to come up with the new dock management system and that uh, their penalties for late deliveries so should only result when there wasn't a communication. The idea of 24-hour uh, receiving times uh, and that it costs more to pay a man in a truck to wait than it does to uh, accommodate more shipping availability or issues. I was on a panel with uh, a broker and a shipper and uh, uh, made, made the pitch for uh, uh, it being a more costly effort going forward. And uh, actually, the, both the shipper and the broker agreed. Uh, uh, they cited the driver shortage, raising insurance costs, ELDs, uh, idle time at stops, as all issued, they recognized. The, the issue appears to be that uh, they had open debate about what they call law of the jungle versus, uh, uh, versus regulations. And law of the jungle is basically the idea that the shippers admit that they've had competitive advantage and it's a matter of contract law and anything that a carrier will sign is enforceable in court, regardless of whether it's fair or equitable or results in uh, uninsurable risk. In that regard, there was uh, three seminars on uh, a topic we've handled over the past few months, the application of FISMA. And although there were shippers in the room that are insisting on reject it, crush it, and dump it, and waiver of uh, salvage, uh, they were noticeably quiet when uh, uh, both shipper and carrier lawyers announced uh, without challenge that FISMA does not require that and that it is uh, 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 just a question of overreach to reject, crush, or dump freight. Uh, the language that, uh, uh, that we came uh, uh, back with in terms of uh, not, as, not only as a misrepresentation, it's just impossible for a carrier to uh, to sign the type of language that's in these contracts that basically says you sign this contract and the determination of the acceptability, salvageability, and or adulterated status of the food shipment will be solely within the discretion of the shipper and shall be bounding on the carrier. That kind of language, folks, just outruns your coverage and means you're one step away from bankruptcy if you're a small carrier. I got a chance to talk to a couple of really large carriers about this, and they have an advantage that, that small guys don't. They said, if we get uh, enough dollar promise out of a
shipper, and he needs us so that we're a sole carrier. We'll bend on this discretion to salvage, but uh, uh, it's only because we've got enough business to cover some of that self-insurance. So what you're saying is some of the big carriers will uh, go out on a limb, but you better believe they're going to make up on it on margin and volume. So uh, with that kind of background, I thought I would just alert you as to what's going on. I think the shippers uh, know that rates are going up. They know that uh, uh, they're increasing their own likelihood of getting sued by uh, putting uh, uh, required guaranteed deliveries and coercive matters into contracts. So uh, maybe there's some movement there. I think that it's a propitious time for uh, carriers to, to push back uh, and beware of what you sign. So that's kind of what I've been doing the past week. and. If that inspires some additional questions, great. Otherwise, uh, it's time to play Stump the Chump. Whatever you want to ask, I'll try to answer. Wow. Um, what's really surprising about what you just said there, Hank, is that, you know, for lack of a better term, they realize that these uh, uh, draconian uh, contract clauses are being shoved down on, on the smaller guys, but for lack of a better term, they really just don't give a damn if you if you crazy enough to sign it, then that's your t tough titty on you. Well, they're, they're lawyers, and, and uh, uh, you know, I try to be collegial. Some of these guys are great to sit down and have a drink with, and I like them, but they, their basic way of practicing law is to say uh, the contract is a contract. If you can get somebody to, si to sign it and you get the better part of the deal, why not? And the point that we were trying to make is, you know, we need to be more collaborative. You, you can't very well uh, uh, consider the small carrier anything other than a surf or a peon if you don't recognize that you're imposing an uninsurable risk on it. And the point was made fairly loud and clear that uh, uh, $54 billion in food stuff is waste every year, and the idea that you're only going to destroy more of it because you can increase the carbon footprint and uh, uh, certainly doesn't do a damn thing to help the food banks uh, or, or feed the hungry. Uh, there are uh, articles coming out now in the New York Times as well as the Wall Street Journal about how the food chain is wasteful and that uh, the denial of salvage uh, is, uh, uh, is morally unconscionable. So there were a number of, uh, of people on our side of the table that uh, tried to shame them. <laughs> now, whether, whether that'll result in next day's negotiation, I don't know, but uh, uh, they really didn't have a whole lot of comeback other than well, as long as they'll sign it, uh, as as uh, uh, shippers, lawyers have at it. So uh, you know, I think I think the issue is uh, the little guys uh, uh, have traditionally said, well, if you won't sign it, somebody else will. Well, you know, uh, they're hearing it from they're hearing it from the brokers and the and and the shippers that it's untenable. Maybe it's uh, it, it's time to. Uh, uh, take a stiffer turn. As we talked last month, somebody said he had a chocolate chip cookie uh, uh, approach to getting unloaded quicker. 
you may have a way to circumvent some of these things, but uh, of the 39,000 reefer carriers, uh, 30,000 of them are less than 10 units for sure. Uh, and uh, you know, we tried to make we tried to make the point that the small guy was uh, uh, essential uh, to the supply chain, and the whole idea of entrepreneurship uh, hinges on you treating everybody equitably. So. I don't know whether we made any points. I'm sure this one convention isn't going to change things. But if you get somebody that says, oh, sign it, everybody will, or if you get anybody that says uh, that FISMA requires it, just say, no, that's not the case. You need to read what FDA's got up. If you need me to send it to you, uh, I will. And you can just uh, forward on the express language that says that's not so. So, All right, uh, Hank. Well, we without any further ado, uh, we got a couple of people. Yeah, that's why I was just getting ready to say we got a couple of people that's got their hand raised. So we're gonna, without any further ado, I I, I kind of had my spiel there. We're gonna let everybody else get a shot. Let's jump over and grab Terry. Terry, you up first. You're live with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Yes, I just bought myself a truck, and we are in the process of going out and getting it ready for the and getting it road ready and getting it ready to go together. We're going to buy a flatbed trailer to go with it. I have not had a lot of experience out in trying to negotiate rates and find good rates and lanes. I'm gone from company driver to a hotshot driver with a local um, person that I ran into that always had a way out. And then I just hit the DAT boards to get back, and even if I couldn't find anything, I'd just deadhead because I was paid well enough to do it. But what I'm looking at doing now is trying to get more into this, and this is my first time listening to you, I'm sorry to say. I should have been doing this a long time ago, but where do I go to start learning more about these lakes and lanes? My uh, rates and lanes, I'm sorry, my, my hometown in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'll be running in and out of there and trying to find something that will be able to uh, pay a reasonably good rate. And I'm a flat better now uh, with a company, but I don't like exactly the way they run. I love the people. It's a great company to work for, but they run a little bit too hard for me. Uh, and we're always pushing 75 miles an hour, you know, right to the last minute on your clock, every minute of every day. And I just think there's a better way to do it. Uh, can you give me some advice? In response, let me make some comments, and then uh, Rico can give you the, the practical effect of it. I assume that in buying the truck that you're going from being an owner-operator to being your own individual motor carrier. So rather than have a carrier to shag loads for you and find you head hauls and back hauls, you'll be entering uh, basically the spot market. Uh, first Correct. of all, uh, you be careful that uh, uh, you get some support. If you, uh, I think my address is on Rico's uh, 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 webpage. I'll be happy to help you through the compliance and those kinds of things. Uh, 
obviously, I think what Rico is going to tell you is uh, uh, flatbed is, is is seasonal uh, and that uh, that balance is important. Probably going to tell you about the special web boards uh, that are available for backhaul and encourage you to find a dependable source of headhaul. Uh, Correct. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I admire you for getting into it. Uh, my experience with flatbed is uh, it's uh, 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 it, it's it's a bit of a niche. You know, anybody anybody can upload. Uh, depending upon, uh, it sounds like you've got the background in terms of the tie downs and knowing the industry. Be sure that the cargo insurance you've got doesn't exclude uh, uh, wetness, dampness, and moisture, particularly if you're hauling steel. There are some pitfalls that I think you probably learned on the road. Uh, obviously, when you say that the guy you're working for is uh, uh, allowing, permitting, or requiring you to go 75 miles an hour in a flatbed load, uh, that's a prescription for death for you as a driver exactly. because you can easily become unemployable. Yes, and and I understand that, and that's what he wants, and I refuse to do it. I'm a 65 max kind of guy, and I like to run about 60. Uh, 500 miles a day is a good day. Uh, you know, he wants to see 650 <laughs> uh, on those books every day, and it's like, holy smokes. And he's treated me very well, and he pays very well. And like I said, I love the people. I love what they're doing. I just don't agree with how he wants to run his business. So I'll let him do his. Yeah, I want to do mine. Terry, the other thing, of course, is this this new ELD, that if you're a newbie, uh, you don't have the EOBR. You're going to have an ELD. And that's right, and I've been running, that you're going to run I've it been running ELDs. Yeah, I've been running ELDs for five years since I started driving, and even in my little hot shot outfit that I had, I ran an ELD just because it was easier to deal with for me, and I have my own authority already and have been running under that with a gooseneck and a one-ton pickup, so I'm somewhat familiar with it, but I'm just, now that I'm getting into the big boys, it's more of where do I go find these, and how do I really get good information while I'm out there? Uh, Rico, uh, when you when you help carry on this is Central Dispatch. What is the flatbed uh, uh, website for uh, spot market? Uh, well, ab uh, absolutely. And uh, first of all, Terry, congratulations for taking the leap and, and jumping jumping ahead uh, into the freight. Um, what you're going to learn as far as dealing with the spot market is it's, it's, a, it's a beast of supply and demand. And so uh, I'm not too familiar with West Coast or Salt Lake City. I'm not too familiar with that, with that particular market. Uh, as far as low boards, of course, the two big low boards that, that, that are the majority of the freight is going to be found on is, of course, DAT and uh, Internet Truck Stop. Uh, both of those. And I have, use uh, DAT. I use DAT already with the authority that I had, so or have. So I'm somewhat familiar with that and how it works. 
I think the biggest right. thing is trying yeah. to find that really good um, uh, shipper that needs to ship stuff out of my area. And then if I can get a good shipper out of there, I can deal with the boards to get back. That's exactly what I'll that's, you. See, you, 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 you already read. You're, you're already halfway ahead of the game. The number one thing is go ahead and find you, if you can, uh, go knock on some doors and get you a direct shipper right there in your hometown uh, hometown market. If you can find you a direct shipper that can get you out, then find a – you may want to try to look at a, at a couple of different lanes that that shipper has and just say, hey, let me be your go-to person on this particular lane. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't be everything to everybody trying to run all across the country as a one-truck Charlie. Pick you out, pick Correct. you a, another market. You're in Salt Lake City. Pick you out another good market that has a decent supply of flatbed uh, freight that comes out of that particular market. You know, maybe something within a 500-mile radius of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Find you know, put down. You can go to. They got certain little tools out to help you uh, narrow these things down. You can go to. Uh, Google has a tool where it lets you do a radius map, and you can do a radius map of that 500 miles and see what next major metropolitan area falls within that radius. And and that may give you uh, another starting point to say, okay, I'll I'll be your go-to guy between uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and and, and Salt Lake City and just pulling pulling a a city off the top of my head that may be within that vicinity. Um, And and just be that go-to person in that lane. And that way you can work the bottom, the, the other half. We call it here, we kind of have dubbed it as the dumbbell. You can start working your dumbbell. And that being that you got you got your, your, your home marketing and then you have the market that you're going to, those are the two ends of your dumbbell. And running in between them, that gives you the handle there. So that gives you a, a, a place to concentrate on. If you can concentrate on your home market, get you one or two good direct shippers, and then, like I say, you can work the spot market for a little while on the other end, but on the other end, it also gives you an opportunity to start narrowing down uh, potential customers that you can begin to target in the, uh, on the other end of your dumbbell. And, and as far as working the spot market, uh, when it comes to flatbeds, like I said earlier, that's going to be a nature of supply and demand, where you might be able to come get out of the, supply, the, the, the spot market is if you can find you some good shippers that you can deal with directly and work and get you a nice contracted rate where you're going to be, you're going to let them know that, hey, I'm not going to chase the seasonal uh, uh, seasonality of flatbeds. I'm going to be your go-to guy year-round regardless of, of whatever. So that has a certain value attached to it. So you, you're going to be selling your value as, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just leave you high and dry when the rate skyrocket uh, uh, to uh, uh a couple of states over and I'm just going to be working that state primarily. I'm going to stay, I'm going to be here with you through the thick and thin of it. And, and, and so in return, you're hoping that that value that you bring, uh, uh, that they see the value in that and that you can be able to, uh, uh, get a fair rate so that you can remain loyal uh, and not run out and try to chase the spot market rates. As of, as of right now, flatbeds are killing it on the spot market, uh, Showing a little over 80, uh, 80 loads to truck in just about every market in the United States. So, you know, right now, flatbeds is having their way on the spot market. So, 
hopefully this gives you, and of course, every Wednesday we try to, uh, we try to supply you guys with uh, the latest that BAT has to offer as far as uh, spot market rates. There are tools that BAT and both Internet Truck Stop offers to help you uh, right on the spot market as far as uh, uh, they have a benchmarking of the rate. Uh, some people don't, don't really care to use those tools. It's a little expensive if you uh, – DAT's version is a little expensive. Internet truck stops is a little bit um, – and I, and I don't get paid by either one of the locals, so I can give you an honest opinion on it. Um, Internet truck stops uh, rate tool is a little bit more uh, uh, user-friendly when it comes to cost. Uh, DAT is, is very proud of their services, and, 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 and their price reflects it. Uh, they, they, from my experience, I have used both of them. Um, DAT's rate information is a, uh, is a little bit more, uh, it's a little higher. Uh, they have a little bit, uh, they have a, a little different way of benchmarking their rates. Their rates come back a little bit higher than on their reports. Uh, which is a good thing because maybe, you know, if you, if you can pull in those rates uh, that they're showing, then it can maybe help justify uh, paying the cost of of of, of that particular um, product that they have to offer. But that's in the, in the long and short of it, that's pretty much the spill on it. And you, you know, you, you keep your uh, – the rates and lanes are going to be in – in, in those particular – every lane is going to have a different – supply and demand mechanism to it, if you understand what I'm getting at there. So that, that's going to yeah. have a little bit of a different beast attached to it. But once you learn and become, uh, become proficient in a particular lane, you, will be, you can market yourself as a go-to person in that lane, and nobody should know those rates better than you because you'll, you'll start to learn uh, what your cost is, you know, and, and, and basically – when it comes down to it, you, you want to be uh, in the marketplace. You can't outpace, out, outprice yourself from the market, but you'll be able to uh, be the go-to person in that lane, and nobody should know those rates better in that lane than you because you service it all the time. Okay. Um, is there a place to go get, other than the DAT board and the uh, Internet truck stop, to go get information that is more – rather than just weekly rates that is more long-term because if I go to negotiate a contract, I'm going to say, Hey, look, over the last year, it's gone from $2 and 80 cents a mile to $3 a mile. So I'll give you two ninety plus whatever the fuel surcharges for the week or, for, or, or, and I'll guarantee you that rate, but I need to be able to find, old data in order to be able to go say that or do i is there a place that says hey look rates are going up just like you had said earlier we're expecting rates to go higher because of the elds where can i find information that says hey when i go to the client i want to be able to hand them numbers i don't want to go in and say oh i just think this is what it's going to cost me i'm going to look like an idiot i want to go in and say here's the numbers here's some facts Here's some trends. Where do I? Uh, this is what I think it's worth. What do you think it's worth based on this? I've found you negotiate with people. I found that both of them. Go ahead. Uh, well, 
Both of the low boys. I would not guarantee anybody a rate for a year uh, in, in, in this economy. Uh, you know, a right. lot of people. So are we working at quarterly then? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Most of the contracts for the guy wants you. If he wants to, if he wants to, if he wants to tell you, look, uh, it's not. I got enough freight to give you three a week. What will you do it for a year for? Then I might guarantee the rate. But if he wants a spot market rate, lock you in for two years and not promise you any freight, I think that's a. I think that's a. That's a hell of a gamble. Well, yeah, that's uh, you an know. idiot. If you know, if you know things are going up, which we anticipate they are, uh, nobody's got a uh, crystal ball. But everybody's been through this. Well, a lot of people have been through this more than once, and we know it's cyclical. We know it's going to go up, and we know it's going to come back down. Right now, we're seeing an uptrend. We anticipate at least a year, maybe two, or more of uptrending is my understanding of the market right now. And and to well, answer your I mean, question you know, more directly, both of both, both of the both of the low boys have those Uh oh. I think we were stepping on each other for a second there. Hey but but both of the low boys have uh that historical data uh, available for you on the contract basis. Uh the thing that you have to pay for most of the time, especially on DAT DAT has the contract rates out there readily available. The thing that DAT uh, um, makes a lot of their hay, uh, makes a lot of hay on is their spot market rate information. Uh, that's where they charge the premiums at. But usually you can find that contract information uh, pretty easily on DAT's load board. That's usually if you're using, I don't know which product you're using with DAT, but the rate information that they show readily available that's usually that contract rate, and that's and most of the times those contract rates will get you uh, get you in some trouble trying to operate on the spot market with those rates. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I use Members so, Edge because I'm an OIDA member. So. Right now, you you, you might want to call DAT directly. They have some products that are uh, steps above the, the member's edge. Um, and, and when I tell you this, when I tell you they're a little proud of the product, they are a little proud of the product. So don't be surprised at some of the numbers that they throw at you. But what you might be able to negotiate for yourself is if you're familiar with DAT and that's who you want to stick with, you might want to give them a call and see if they'll give you a, uh, let, you, let you have a, a, an open seat on an upper-tier product so that you can see, uh, so that you have something to compare it off of, and they used they used to be pretty good about giving a, a, a one week trial period on testing out the higher products or whatever. So I, I would try to negotiate that so that way you can see exactly what it is that you're missing out on, and just for and, and just for the sake of competition, I would also give internet truck. I wouldn't do it at the same time. Uh, maybe I, I would wait until it over overlap. I would try to overlap them maybe. Uh, so that you can have a, a little bit of a, a little bit of apples to apples comparison, but uh, maybe when you get close to the the seven day trial period ending, if they get you one at DAT, maybe uh, four days into that, I would call Internet Truck Stop and see if I could negotiate the same deal where they would give me a seven day trial, and and that way you can compare the two products and you can compare the rate information 
and all that stuff side by side on the apples to apples comparison. Uh, like I said, uh, and, and you and, that, and you can make the choice for yourself which one that you are more comfortable with, which one you like better. Um, and, and, okay. And go from there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving a glowing endorsement to either one of them. Like I say, I'm not paid by either one of them. <laughs> well, I I appreciate your advice, and I'll let somebody else get in there. I think I've used enough of your time, and I really do appreciate what you're doing. Hey, Terry, we appreciate you for coming on. We, good luck to you, and hopefully, we'll hear back from you soon. All right, moving right along, let's go and grab Steve up in Kentucky. Steve might be up there, to, uh, might be at the show. Hey, Steve, you're up live with Rico and Hank. How can we help? <laughs> yeah, Rico, I'll be headed up there in the morning. I'm over here, just come out of West Virginia. But uh, my question is, I think I'm gonna try. I think I can stomp him. I got a, I got a Kenworth with a uh, pulls a reefer that I don't work with. And I did all my homework, did everything. I actually got all the paperwork. And my question is to Hank is, I got it uh, listed as not for hire, the truck and trailer. I got the decals on. Can the DOT still bother me even though it is not registered as a commercial vehicle? Oh, absolutely. You say it's not registered. Is it uh, over 10,000-pound GVW? Yes, sir, and I put a 38,000-pound plate on it, which is what they told me I needed for, for both pieces. Well, you know, the safety regulations uh, define a commercial motor vehicle as something that's used for commerce. Uh, but, you know, if, the, if you're going you're gonna to stop at the scales just like everybody else, private carriers are, uh, uh, are, are just as subject to DOT safety regulations as anybody else. They don't get hoard up as much, but uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, what uh, What have you got on the side of the truck? You got yourself a DOT number stuck on the truck? Yes, sir. Yes, because they told me it had to be registered with a DOT number, and they told me I had to put the not for hire on the truck and the trailer, and I had to put the words empty. They said I ain't had to spell it out. Just put empty on the back of the trailer and on the side of the trailer. And I should be fine, but it's not like I said. It's not uh, listed as a commercial vehicle. What it's kind of uh, for private, a, not, not for hire? Well, look, you know, if you're uh, what kind of trade or business has got you pulling a uh, 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 pulling a, uh, a commercial motor vehicle? Uh, uh, are you just joyriding in it? What are you, what are you doing just, with uh, it? That's, that's exactly. Well, actually, I've been. Um, getting fabrication done at different parts of the Kentucky and custom stuff work done. And I've actually go to school sometime and talk to kids about trucking and that nature. But I've never, so far, I haven't been bothered, but I was always wondering. They told me, you know, from Frankfurt that I shouldn't be bothered if I did those things. And like I said, I had all the paperwork insurance and my insurance allows me to go so many miles a year. And that was the only stipulation that I had as far well, as that. Well, look, other... look if you, when you get when you when you get a USDOT number, you have to fill out an application that says whether or not you're private or for hire or exempt. Right, MCS one hundred and fifty. Uh, right, that's what I filled out. The for hire carrier, yeah, the for hire carrier uh, has to have a, an endorsement on his policy so that you can go on the website and see he's got insurance. The private carrier. Uh, 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 needs to have some insurance too, but beyond that, 
the private carrier can be put out of service just like a for hire carrier. Uh, you know, yeah, I've got well, people who private carrier. They just told me the market is private, private, um, not for hire. So that's why they had me marking on the MCS 150 form. And when they sent it in, when well, I checked it, that's why it's registered. Look, I mean, all I all I know is this: in uh, in my business, if I got a, if I got a sawmill and my truck is not for hire, and I'm riding down the down the road hauling logs, uh, I'm going to get waved into the to the station just like everybody else. I'm going to be on uh, SMS uh, uh, website and subject to an audit. Uh, we've defended people who've been placed out of service that basically made pallets and transported their pallets around in interstate commerce. Uh, they weren't a for-hire carrier because they were delivering their own pallets, but they were sure on the radar screen. So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, there, maybe there's a nuance here that I'm missing, but, uh, uh, you know, the very fact that, you, that you've got to placard your equipment with your name and you've got your DOT number on it would seem to me to make you... Uh, just as subject to the safety regulations, just as subject to uh, uh, the, the driver qualification files, just as subject to the uh, the hours of service and everything else. Uh, now, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, if you got a big RV <laughs> and you know you're trucking around the country in an RV, uh, you, you've got you've got an exception, uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, if if what you're what you're using is something that's designed to to haul uh, uh, products that are moving in interstate commerce, whether they're exempt or regulated, whether you're for hire or not, doesn't govern the doesn't do have anything to do with the safety regulations. Right. Well, I they told I, me they reiterated oh. that 50 times or, or if not 50 million that I should be fine, but I better not have anything in the trailer. And which I'm not going to have anything in the trailer. So it, that was my, I wasn't worried about hauling anything, but they told me it, it better be empty. Okay, so so you're telling me, you're telling me you got this truck uh, that's got hauling capacity, but you're never going to haul anything in it. I'm never going to haul anything in it. Okay, well, uh, you're not, you're not, you're not the usual trucker. All right. You know, I, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're, <laughs> not engaged in interstate commerce you can uh, you can do that but you know all that all that I can tell you every quote private carrier is subject to safety regulations right uh, okay. you know well, whether uh, oh. it, 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 that that sounds strange you may you may qualify for an exception uh, if you say you you're using this uh, vehicle for personal conveyance only that's why it's marked. You know, it says for private when they did the form, and they walked me through it. They said just mark it on there, not no non interstate, non interstate trucking, interstate, and like I said, um, marked it as private. And they said I shouldn't have no problem, but I figured I'd rather ask the expert, but because I have <coughs> looked at going down the sure. road. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why uh, you know why you need the DOT number. They said yeah, get a DOT number. Are you interested? Uh, no. Yeah, the lady up in Frankfurt walked me through it with the form and stuff. She just—that's all she told me. She just said that once I did that, I should be fine, and 
I don't have to worry about anything as long as I put the right weight plate on it, but I better not have anything in the trailer. And I said, no problem with that. Listen, I tell you what. Get get my number from uh, uh, from Wico's webpage. Give me a call. Let me check okay. that out. I sure will. So, I sure uh, will. That, that, I may I may need to learn something about that because this is a novel question to me. Guy that's got uh, that's, that's got. A I figured I could stump you, and I ain't BSing you. But I, I figured you would be the the man to know because they never stop me, but they well, they really I'll, look I'll at I'll me when I pay. I don't want to tell Frankfurt that they're crazy. It wouldn't be the first time, but uh, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll check it out with uh, uh, you know compliance expert. Just, just give me a call. Then you had to tell Rico. You had to tell Rico the story then afterwards. Then. Yeah, I'll, I want to shoot email. I want you to email everything. I'm gonna email you everything I got. All right, that'll be great. So, Rico, how am I get the number call. later on? Do I need to inbox you? Do I need to inbox you on Facebook? Uh, yeah, you can. You can either do that, or we'll we'll put it up on the Race and Lane Facebook page. I do that. I do that. Yeah. And just remember transportationlaw.net, and you can get my contact number on that. Okay, transportationlaw.net. Okay, yeah, I should know that by now. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Okay. All right, thank you, Steve. See if we can squeeze one more, and they didn't. The call screen said they they didn't answer, uh, so we're gonna try to we'll try and grab them and see if they say anything before we run a little close on time. Uh, call us from the five six one area code. No, don't look like we're gonna get them. They have had some other stuff going on in the background. Well, with that being said, hey, uh, we're getting ready to wrap up the show. Uh, we're going to tell everybody transportationlaw.net is how to get you get a hold of Hank. Also, you can check him out over at transcomply.com. That's where you can go get Hank's book, uh, Rules of the Road. Definitely recommend you having that book uh, in your truck or, or in your library, easily accessible for you to be able to refer to when you come when it comes to all of the different things that we talk about here. You can find that and much more in that book. It's definitely a, a handy, useful uh, resource that you should definitely have. You can grab that over at transcomply.com. Uh, Hank, is it anything that I'm missing before we wrap up and get out of here? Anything you want to share with the people before no, we go? Uh, not, that, not that I can think of, Rico. Uh, I, you know, I am kind of interested in using our once-a-month term uh so that you know, I can get some information on what uh, the listeners are finding out there in the real world. Uh, you know, uh, you know what the hot issues are in terms of the ELD. I think when April one comes, we're going to start having an enforcement flurry, and a lot of people may find that they're grounded for ten hours because uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier for them to come check you at the scales and we'll just have to see we'll just have to see how that works out i think we've got uh a lot of uh, mischief in terms of enforcement ahead and uh, you know i uh, i learned uh, tonight i think i may have learned something about having a dot number and being empty uh but uh uh you know i'd like to uh, i appreciate the feedback and the questions right it's it's, it's kind of crazy that they didn't let him and somebody just sent me a message about that. It's kind of crazy. Thanks, um, thanks by the way, uh, for, for that message there, Matt. 
But it seems like they should have just let him register as an RV instead of going through all that stuff. Well, I mean, the rules are set up so that there is different treatment in terms of insurance for private carriers exempt and for hire. But the DOT regulations govern anyone who operates a commercial motor vehicle in interstate commerce, and it's not uh, uh, the safety regulations, with the exception of the difference between hazmat uh, and non-hazmat, uh, are, are the same in terms of uh, driver qualification files, the fact that the equipment has to be, whether it's loaded or empty, it's subject to an inspection at a scale, uh, all of those regulations apply. So that's why this was just just a little bit different. Uh, you know, I can assume that he either had a straight truck or uh, a tandem axle tractor, whatever kind of trailer he was pulling. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just unusual. Now, maybe, you know, if he was operating in intrastate commerce only, uh, then it might be different. But when he went and registered with the DOT, uh, that should have put him on the radar screen, and uh, uh, so that's why I'm going to check it out. Uh, uh, if you'll give me a buzz, uh, you know, I'll ask uh, uh, somebody who's been with the, uh, the state or federal agencies and see if they can find an exemption. I don't know. Sounds about. good. Be Won't be the first. To be we got one to be continued. Well, with that being said, Hank, we definitely appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and join us here on the Rates and Lane podcast. We want to thank everybody, especially you guys, the listeners. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and thank we want to thank you guys, especially the listeners, for taking time out to uh, tune in, listen, and to tell a friend, to tell a friend about the show. We definitely appreciate that. And definitely many kudos and shouts out to the entire Let's Truck team, uh, uh, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, for providing us with the platform to be able to bring you the show on a weekly basis. And with that being said, we want to thank you guys again. Good night, everybody. God bless you. Be safe out there. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.